Last week we started talking about the power of prayer, the necessity of prayer. And how to get what we pray for when we pray. Think that's important? I do. Otherwise, why waste your time? (laughs) That sounds silly. But if you pray incorrectly, it won't sound silly. Because I'm not talking about praying with false motives or selfish motives. I'm talking about taking up the new identity that we have in Christ. And this ministry of kings and priests in the order of Melchizedek. Without beginning and without end. That's Jesus. We're in Christ. We've been given a new ministry. Preachers are just here to build up the body of Christ and prepare you for the work of the ministry. Amen. You should be a walking, talking Bible with eyeballs. Just by your life, you see. You're a beacon on a hill, a city on a hill, a a beacon, a light, a lamp for the world. A sick and dying and dark world. Amen. And when you have Jesus in you, every word you speak is a creative word. He can speak life into every dead, ugly situation if you so choose. Or you can let the devil trick you into doing some creating for him. You see? Kings and priests, what's all this foolishness? No, that's what the Bible says. First Peter 2 9, Revelation 5 10. <clears throat> but we're immature, we're babies, we're children, and and we and and the way that we are to rule as kings is through a, a priestly ministry, through our prayer life. Is how we govern in this earth. And how to pray effectively, we talked about last week. I just touch on a couple of the things. The first thing is to get, is to learn to die to ourselves. We have to reckon ourselves dead. You have to see yourself there on the cross, paying that death sentence that you were entitled to, that he bore for you. Amen. And, if you really believe that, It'll cause you to be pretty grateful. It'll cause you to love a person that would do that for you because it's true. And he'd do it again. But thank God he will never have to. I should say it like this. If if it was only for you, he would have done it. I don't like even talk about doing it again because I got whole messages on the fact that he will never do it again. But we have to change our mind regarding... The way we see God. We see God sometimes as an angry God. As a, as a mean God. As a, we, so we picture Him as we pictured our own fathers. And some of us, I didn't know my father. I know some people who say, you, you should be glad. I knew mine. And he wasn't too great. Others I know had a great father. And their life really shows it, really. <laughs> it kind of shows the breakdown of this country. Look at the demographics and the situations in the family. That's just a fact. I can sit up here and talk about race all day long and the problems with it. You know why? Because I'm not a racist. No matter what anybody says. Even though I'm a conservative white Christian male. 
This makes me some sort of a target all of a sudden. But I love everybody and so does God. One soul, no matter what color the skin they were born with in this life, He just wants them to be a part of one body, the body of Christ. One race, the Christian race, the life that we live in Christ. They're all dead until they come to know Jesus anyway. So much nonsense in this world. This great masquerade of 2020. Toilet paper scare. Not that it's not real. Of course it's real. But there's a lot of demonic things that always attach itself. You see, the devil's the same way. He disguises himself as an angel of light. He'll come with a lot of truth and a little bit of leaven. He'll spoil the whole lump, you see. We, have, we need to renounce our self-will, die to ourselves, learn to take up our new identity in Christ, we need to come to God, approach Him by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is, is something that we gain through the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Or actually in the Greek, it's Christos, so the Word of Christ, which is the same thing, but to an unbeliever, they need to understand that without Christ, there is no access to God the Father. He's the only way. He is the what? The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Him. We need to believe and we need to have confidence in God that we can now come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find favor in the time of need. Because of what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. It's important that we have that confidence that we can run right into the throne room no matter what sort of meeting He's holding. Just like that little child always... Use the image of the children running around the desk of John F. Kennedy in the Oval Office. You think the Secret Service uh, snatched them up and whooped them? I don't think so. <laughs> That's how we need to see ourselves with God. That childlike faith, so beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. 1 John 5.14, this is the confidence that we have that we in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if He hears us, we know that we have what we've prayed for. And we know we have to approach God in the name of Jesus. We can't come on our own merits, on our own terms, on our own the basis of our own goodness. I'm okay with God because I'm... I live a better life than the Christian next door. That don't work. I don't go to church because of the hypocrites down at the church. Well, you might have a cell right next to theirs in hell. We need to know that we're accepted in the beloved. We need to come on the basis of what Jesus has done. We need to come in faith. We need to come according to God's plan, His will, and not our own. These are all simple truths that apply to our prayer life, and I'm just trying to help you to make sort of a mental checklist if you if you just feel like God is so far off. Or maybe you say, I've been praying for a long time, and He doesn't, you know, He just ignores me. He's not ignoring you. He loves you. But there are spiritual laws that he put in place just like there are natural laws that he created 
to, as a benefit to us. I always use gravity as an example. He did put gravity here for our benefit. Otherwise, we'd fly off the planet, wouldn't we? But now that same law that he created to help us, if we step off the Empire State Building, is going to harm us. And that wouldn't be wise. So we need to learn to cooperate with the spiritual law. We learn things about electricity and gravity and things like that, don't we? These natural scientific laws. We need to learn to cooperate with spiritual laws that are in place because they're put there to help us and not to hurt us. But we have to learn to cooperate with the things God has in place for our benefit. Amen. The law of sowing and reaping is a great example. Everything in the kingdom of God is in seed form. Most times people just think about preachers talking about money in that regard. But Jesus used money as a good teaching tool, as an example of sowing and reaping, because it's something we understand. But everything in our life is in seed form. Every word we speak is a seed. Every action we take is a seed. The way that we spend our money, our time, our talents, our gifts and abilities, all seed form. So we're coming to God on a basis of what Jesus has done, out of relationship that we have with Jesus, knowing that we are now accepted in the Beloved. This was a big one for me. It's a big one in the whole world. I can tell you right now that rejection is the greatest wound in humankind. Everybody that I've talked to from, from palaces to prison. If I can talk to them long enough, and they'll be honest with me enough, I can show them their bitterness and rejection issues. If they have any issues, I haven't met a perfect person yet. Because of that, there's some, 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 some problem that we're dealing with. On a level, we're, we're like an onion. And that pride is deep. A lot of layers. And we need to come to God totally confident, but also humble. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. I've got to be careful not to get off into a message about rejection and acceptance because it's, a, it's important. I can preach on it every week. But I want to go deeper today because... Having said all that, we know that the Bible says that we have everything we have believed for. God has provided all things pertaining to life, this life and godliness. So our character has been provided for and all of the provision for this life has been provided for through the atonement of Jesus Christ. There are 8,000 promises, some say, in the Bible and every one of them, the answer for you as a Christian is yes and amen. In Christ. But I want to go deeper into this prayer life about how to get what we ask for when we pray. I want to talk to you a little bit about the Holy Spirit today. Because really, we have to pray according to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, someone who doesn't get 
that much attention. And he doesn't want it. He's humble. Very humble. He's the innkeeper, by the way, that the Good Samaritan left you with at the end to take care of you while he was gone. Another day, we'll talk about that too. The only kind of a prayer that's acceptable to God is one that's directed by the Holy Spirit. Not only our prayers, I would say, but every area of our lives, our Christian lives. Look in Romans chapter 8, and we'll get some witness here. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, and I'm going to try to breeze through this because I want to put a lot of information out there. You can go back and listen to it, or you can just jot down the scriptures and ask God about them in your prayer time, your prayer closet, whatever, wherever you meet the Lord. I recommend you have a meeting place and time and that you always take your Bible with you when you go. Romans 8, 14. Tell me when I find it. <laughs> we got to laugh, folks. Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, are the sons of God. See that? All who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons to, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children... Then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Being led by the Spirit of God is how a child of God is identified. Isn't that what it says? To become a child of God, you, you have to be born of God's Spirit. That, that comes first. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus, the religious leader who came to him at night because he was afraid to be seen in the daytime, but he believed. He said, we know you're from God. And Jesus just cut him, cut him off and cut to the chase. He said, listen, Nicodemus, just John 3.3. 3. He said, uh, unless a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. He won't see it. So you have to be born again. And it's the, it's the Holy Spirit that draws you to Jesus and baptizes you into Christ. Amen. All right, so that comes first. But to live as a child of God, you have to continue to be led by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what this just said in Romans 8? And many, 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 many of us do not know how to be led by the Spirit of God. Not even, not in our lives, and especially when it comes to prayer. And this isn't a condemning thing. This is an informative thing, okay? This is revelation I'm about to pass on to you. Wisdom from God and help. That's the name, the acronym for Grace and Truth Church. Help. God knows what I say when I say, will you help that person? Lord, sometimes I just mean help them with something, but when I just, because I pray for so many people that sometimes I say, give them that help that we love to talk about. Healing, empowerment, love, and prosperity through salvation in Christ Jesus. Help. 
That's the acronym he gave Tavana and me when we, when we started this church. To help the body of Christ heal, empower, love, and prosper. And when that same help that we receive, we're going to go out and help the world heal, empower, and love, and prosper through, through salvation in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's the prayer. Romans 8, right there, since we're in Romans 8, look at verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You see there, we have a weakness. The Spirit, capital S again, helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Underline those, put them on your refrigerator, ask God about it until He explains it to you. I'm begging you. We all have this weakness, you see. That's what the word is saying right here. It's not it's not a physical weakness. It's not even a mental weakness. It's just sort of something left over from the unrenewed mind, the old sinful nature that was expelled from our spirits when Jesus came in and re- renewed our spirits and then sealed it. Incorruptible for all time. One third of your salvation is over. You're a three-part being, you see? Spirit, soul, and body. First Thessalonians 5.23. Your spirit's been renewed, but we can't discern our spirit with our natural senses. That's our soulish realm, our mind, our will, and emotions. That's what's being renewed, and that's what's still screwed up a little bit from the world. Garbage in. Repair. Amen. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're drawing on what's in our born-again spirit. The very mind of Christ is within us now, if we have Jesus. But we all have this weakness, this remnant of the old nature. And we don't know how to pray as we should. That's what he's saying. I would say we don't know what to pray or how to pray. Sometimes we might know what to pray. Howdy, howdy, fuck. We might know what to pray about, or we might think we know what to pray about, but we don't generally know how to pray for it, you know? Sometimes we may know how to pray, but unless we're being led by the Holy Spirit, we don't know what to pray, you see? So the what and the how of prayer is really what we're getting at today. So God's remedy for all this, this this problem, this weakness that we all have, is... That he sends us the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Helper, as he's known. And we need him. He helps to, to lead us in the kind of life and prayer that is needed and acceptable to God. It's not within man to direct his own steps or his own prayers, in other words. Jeremiah 10.23 not within man to direct his In other words, we weren't here. This is my life. We'll do what I like. In my book, I, I, I put that this, uh, the forgiveness part sounds good to people. But the lordship, not so much. 
<laughs> that jailhouse forgiveness, you know. Just get me out of this mess, Lord, and then put me back on my road, my highway to hell. I was having a good good run there. Now get me out of this mess so I can get back to it. Come on. <laughs> God's remedy. Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. It's good that I'm leaving. If y'all really love me, you'd be glad I'm leaving. They're like, what? Because now, my Father can send you the comforter, the promise, the gift, the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, He told the disciples when He ascended on the, uh, the after He was uh, here for 40 days and 40 nights on the earth after He resurrected, then He told them, don't do anything. Don't go out and minister. They've been with Him three and a half years. They had seen everything He'd done, all the miracles. He empowered them with a special impartation to go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, open blind eyes. And, and they did all that. They saw everything He did. And He said, don't go try and minister in My name now. Wait. Don't do anything. Until... My Father sends the Holy Spirit. Until you get the gift. And then 10 days later, on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection, in that, in that upper room, He came. He lit on them as, as fire, as tongues of fire. And they all began to speak in other tongues. They went out, everybody thought they were drunk, except for there were people there from all nations. And these, these poor farmers and fishermen, they were out there speaking in these people's own languages. The the mysteries of God and the, and praising God in their own languages. And they were like, how did these men... And then some of them thought they were drunk. I said, it's nine in the morning. Of course, that wouldn't have meant nothing to me in the old days. I'd have still been going. This is only day three. What are you talking about? But it wasn't for them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? <laughs> and listen, it... He comes and He sort of takes over for us. But it's as we yield, as we surrender voluntarily. It's a very personal thing that Paul is describing here. We surrender, we yield but intelligently, but willingly, voluntarily to Him and, and allowing Him to pray what's needed. Now, there's three ways that the Bible describes this help that God has offered, this prayer life. First of all, he says in groanings, too deep for words. That's what it says there in that passage of Scripture. This is, if you've ever witnessed this, and I have, and I've experienced it, it's something that's very moving and very solemn. It's almost frightening. I think... A good example to me that the Lord puts in my mind right now is uh, John eleven thirty three, uh, Jesus at Lazarus' tomb. And I'm not going to go there because I'll probably start preaching from there. But it's in John chapter 11, verse 33. And in the King James Version only, uh, the, the translation is properly. But it says that when, he, when they came to him crying and they were upset and he asked about the condition of Lazarus, he was in the tomb. He'd been in there for several days already and he stinketh now, you know. <laughs> and they were upset and crying and it says that Jesus was moved and he groaned in his spirit. 
And that's what the Bible describes. It says, in groanings too deep for words. Many things you see are just too deep for, for words. Deep inside of us, there's something much greater than our little minds can ever possibly understand. Always thirsting, always hungering for God. It has things locked up inside of it, which it longs to express to God. And as long as we allow our, our puny minds to be limited by what we think of as, as reasonable and valid, our spirit will never be able to fully express itself. So this is one way the Holy Spirit liberates us, or liberates our spirit, you see. You see, there's a part of you that you've never let talk to God, potentially, and it is the part of you that really knows God. The second way, and this is a way that the Bible talks about that you may be more in touch with or you may have experienced, but, but the Holy Spirit can help us, God can help us by allowing the Holy Spirit to give us a perfect prayer in our own words, um, that, but a prayer that we would never have come up with on our own, from our own mind, you see? And, I know of a, of a, of a minister who was who was uh, he was just coming to know the Lord. He was at a at a at a, at a home where they invited him to have a dinner and and they they prayed over the, the for their food and he he was he'd never seen that before. And then they had the meal and he he was it was great. He thought everything was going great. He was going to settle in. And then after after the meal, they all began to pray in turn. And he knew that it was coming to him, and he was literally scared to death. Not literally scared to death, but he was terrified. <laughs> and when it got to him, he opened his mouth and he said, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. He didn't know that was a scripture from the Bible, he'd never read it. But it was probably the most perfect prayer he'd ever prayed. That was from the Holy Spirit, you see. I think of an example from the Bible in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. It's, it's, a, it's a parable that Jesus told about a self-righteous Pharisee or a teacher of the law, a religious leader of the day, who was obsessed with his own virtue. And Jesus contrasts it with this sinner, this tax collector who had come to the synagogue to pray as well. And he humbly asked God for mercy. When this, this self-righteous religious pope or bishop or whatever was over here, <laughs> whatever he was, no difference to me. God is no respecter of persons. That's what Paul said when he went up to Jerusalem after several years in the desert to make sure he hadn't run his race in vain and make sure that Everything he had been imparting to the people on behalf of God was right. And he went up and saw Peter and he said, all the other apostles, who, people who were supposed to be important, what they were makes no matter to me. They didn't add anything to me, he said. <laughs> Keep people humble, man. 
makes him mad. I got one preacher friend. I still call him a friend. I don't, I don't know how he feels about me. He's been calling me a racist and telling me I'm going to hell lately. But uh, I went and preached a conference at his church one time, and I I addressed him by his first name and a story I was telling fondly about some of our past. Instead of calling him by the title that he goes by, and he talked to me for three years. That's religion, folks. That's pride. But that that religious leader, he, he says, Oh, thank you, for God, that I am not like this tax collector over here, this sinner. I, I pray, I fast, I tithe, even from the herbs in my garden, I do all these things. And he said, that old sinner just beat his chest. He couldn't even lift his eyes up to God. He said, oh, forgive me, God, I'm a sinner. And he, Jesus said, that man went away justified in the eyes of God. The other one didn't. That was a perfect prayer. Jesus said, don't, don't be like the hypocrites. Hypocrites love to pray, Jesus said. <laughs> they, they like to stand on the street corners. You might have been in the church where they pray in the King James Language? Why? <laughs> I'm getting in trouble. Sorry, Lord. <laughs> anyway, he says hypocrites love to say that. Jesus said that. He said they stand on the street corners and they use many words thinking they're going to impress God and man. Really, they're wanting attention. He said they've received their reward. They've been acknowledged by the people who say how great they are. That's all the reward they're going to get. Nothing from me. The third thing and the final thing he gives us to help with the Holy Spirit is a prayer language that's in an unknown tongue. Yes, he does. Mentioned many times in the New Testament. Some find it very hard to understand. And that's okay. Because it cannot be fully understood with our little minds. You know God likes it that way. <laughs> Have you noticed that? You know that scripture 1 Corinthians one twenty seven said. But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Does he hate wise people? No, he, he instructs us over and over and over again through the scriptures to get wisdom. It's more valuable than gold. So he's talking about, he's not talking about his wisdom, which he wants us to have. He's talking about the wise of this world, the ones who consider themselves wise, the scholars up there, the ones that are teaching your Christian children that you send to university for $50,000 a year. They're teaching them they only have one goal while they're there to make them sure they leave without any faith. <laughs> Those are the ones he's mocking. And in context, he's talking about the foolishness of the cross. They think that's foolish that God would send his son to hang on a cross like that. That's what the Muslims say. And they try to call Jesus a good man and a prophet. They can't deny it because of history. But they stop short of calling him God. Well, let me tell you something. He's either God or he's a liar. The biggest con ever was. He's God. Amen.
thank God that the Christian experience is not limited by what our minds can comprehend. Thank God we have a God who's bigger than what the little mind will limit us to in this life if we allow it, what the world will do. Thank God He's given us uh, another way to liberate us from the confines of the, the wisdom and the knowledge of this fallen world and the tyranny of our minds over our total lives. And He's given us a prayer language through the Holy Spirit. It's a language that's very real, yet not understood with our carnal minds. We just allow the Holy Spirit to pray through us. He's not going to come upon you and take you over in Kroger's while you're shopping and make you go grab the mic and start praying in the Spirit. <laughs> you yield. You know, you think you think it'd be rude. You remember that kid that just came when you, <laughs> he just came over. He didn't knock on the door. He just walked in, <laughs> and he he did the go in the refrigerator. Uh, you like, you know, it's like, I don't want to say anything, but dang. <laughs> well, he ain't like that. He, he said he's standing at the door and knocks, you see. What's that mean? <laughs> he's wanting you to answer it or send him away. He'll, he'll accept either. He'll accept either. He's the greatest gentleman. He's the coolest dude in the world, in heaven, in the universe. Ever was, ever is, going to be. Millions of people all over the world have come to understand and to know this other language that I'm talking about. And I know this is a <laughs> this is an edge for some folks. And I want to tell you a little story. When I came to know the Lord, see, I, my wife and I, we, my wife was raised in Pentecostal church. Her. Her testimony, if you could ever get her to talk, she would never talk in front of people. But if you, she would tell you, well, we were they told us we were all going to hell anyway, so I figured I might as well enjoy myself while I'm here. <laughs> Yet she attended faithfully with her mama, and I corrupted her. But but me, on the other hand, I just I. I'd catch whatever bus came near our neighborhood once in a while, you know, so I had some experience. I, we were Christians. We had a Christmas tree, you know. Everybody on the police force came to our Christmas parties. Hmm. <laughs> but we thought we were Christians, and we found out at a, later, on in, later on in life, Way after I met Sam, about four years, that I had been deceiving myself this whole time. I was not a Christian, and if I would have died, I'd have gone straight to hell. And thankfully, he came and saved me, and uh, I, I met some real believers, and uh, and they did some weird stuff. I thought, and I said, yeah, "Let me tell you something. Just get this straight right now." I ain't doing that. That ain't gone. That's weird. And they said, okay. <laughs> well, a few days later, <laughs> I experienced the first and the third of these three on my own. 
And I've never been the same. I pray this way more than I pray in my known language. It's a really a real thing. Many all over the world, like I say, uh, you may not know about it because it's not supposed to be something we do in church. You may have been places where they do that all day and they do cartwheels and juggle snakes and all that, but that is not God's way. Uh, he is a God of order. Amen. And if anyone started that here, I would just politely tell them to sit down and be quiet in the name of Jesus. Now, there is a form in the gifts of the Spirit where there is, that can be offered up and then an interpretation is always going to be present at the same time. That's a different thing. I'm talking about a personal prayer language that is given just to you. And say, some people say, oh... If I, get, if I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, do I, I have to pray in tongues? No, you get to. And it's like a pair of tennis shoes, I say. That's not what it's all about. That's just one aspect of it. If you buy a pair of tennis shoes, the tongues come with it. <laughs> Anyways, you'll find out if you ask God and you seek Him for this gift, you will get it. It says, how you being evil love to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give you, give good things to those who ask him? And another one of the Gospels, it says, instead of good things, it says, give the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, and I'm wrapping up right here in a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 2 and 4. Verse 2, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. And verse 4 says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now listen. This says three things. Speaking in tongues, you're speaking directly to God, not to man. This is a privilege in itself. And it says that we're speaking mysteries. I told you there are things locked up within your spirit that you don't even have the have a, an inkling of, that you don't that it wants to express to God, and you've kept it held captive all these years. If if it, you may you may you may pray you may be like Paul. He said, "I pray in tongues more than all of you," but I wish you would all. But maybe you already know about this gift. But I'm here to tell you, in not a weird setting, God is not weird that it's real, and not only that. But it's given to you so that you can speak directly to God. Believe me, when you are in the flesh and you are, sometimes you may pray for an hour before you can break through your carnal senses to get past your own frustrations and anger and bitterness and your wish list and praying for the peace of Jerusalem and everything you know it says in the Bible to pray for. Good for you. Now God wants to take you deeper. He wants to bring you, usher you right into His presence where your spirit can directly speak to Him about things that are really important and really get some stuff done. It's like setting off a, a missile from here across the world 
and it has to be directed by the Holy Spirit. But it can really do some good or get some stuff done. <laughs> and, the, and the missile might not be... Anyway, it could destroy an enemy that might be... Nevertheless, bad example. The second thing it says, we're speaking mysteries. Things too deep, too profound for our minds to grasp. And the third thing says that it's edifying. That means building us up, building ourselves up spiritually. All those things are good. 1 Corinthians 14, the same chapter, look at the 14th and 15th verse, and then I'll end. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen? So it gives you options. You're going to pray in the spirit. We're going to sing in the spirit. We're going to pray in our known tongue, and we're going to sing in our known tongue, just like we've already done here today. Amen. Ephesians 6.12 says, because we're talking about power in our prayer lives, results in our prayer lives. Ephesians 6, verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. How many of you know that people are not your problem? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Your enemy is the devil and his demons. If someone is coming against you and not in a godly way, it's the enemy that is inspiring them to do so. The best thing can happen to your worst enemy is for God to get a hold of them and change their hearts and their minds. Amen. Amen. So if you really realize that, you'll just start seeing all your enemies just as little children or as a, somebody in a wheelchair or something like that. I give people these little mental tools that will help them until they can get to a place in their spirit and in their soul where they really just understand. They're more spiritually minded than they are earthly minded. I've heard preachers say, he's so spiritually minded, he's so no earthly good. Nonsense. <laughs> Isaiah 26, 3, somewhere around there. <laughs> Isaiah 26 says, he whose mind is stayed on the Lord, he'll keep him in perfect peace. So, how can you be so spiritually minded, you're no earthly good? Even at work, all, well, I got, I got a job. I ain't like you preachers sit around and read the Bible all day. Listen, I work seven days a week and do this for nothing. I think about God all day long. Do I get off course? Yeah. Do I get frustrated and tired and weary and do I want to get upset? Yeah, because, that's, because I let the other end of the seesaw go up. One or the other. You can't focus on both. But all day long, you're thinking about something. Even at work, you're thinking about your bills, your troubles, your, your, your body, your, your, your problems, your situations and circumstances. Don't tell me you can't think about God all day. You can. Because if you magnify Him, you're going to make this mountain of a problem into a little molehill. And I promise you, what we're talking about today... We'll get it done a lot quicker and a lot better, and you'll start seeing results in your life. I, you know what? I don't. 
I have appointments scheduled all over a hundred mile radius. That's what I do. You know, I very seldom even look at a clock. And I'm always a few minutes early. It's a major weapon in spiritual warfare. Any of you ever talk about, I need my prayer warriors. You hear people out there. Well, listen, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not. I'm very careful who I ask to pray for me. Because sometimes prayer chains are gossip chains. And if you, (laughs) well, praise the Lord. We're going to pray for you. Oh, my God. Sister so-and-so just called me and, oh, I think she's about dead. I know. Listen, that is not good. Because it's a spiritual tug-of-war going on. you got faith fighting unbelief and doubt. And you're speaking death into that situation that you just said you're going to pray about. Maybe you did pray about it. But you see what I'm saying? (laughs) If you're going to have people praying for you, you need to have people that believe that the spiritual realm is more real than the, the, the world we live in and can see. This world was created by a world we can't see, you see? By a God we can't see. <laughs> Actually, by the Word of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, which was hovering over the... But nothing was being done until the Word was spoken, you see? So those two together, and we'll talk about the Word next week, but I just wanted you to understand. And look at the 18th verse, right there where we're at in Ephesians 6.12, talking about spiritual warfare. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, it's a capital S. Again, Ephesians 3.20. I'm just going to read you two scriptures and then I'm going to pray. Ephesians 3.20. Paul have just been explaining that our salvation, this wonderful gift of salvation where God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in in heavenly places, everything is ours on account. It's all by grace, not by works of the law. We don't have to earn it. We just have to believe it and receive it or doubt and do without. And he's tried to tell them how it's his job and theirs to go out and explain, explain the mysteries of God and these hidden secrets of God which have now been revealed in Christ. And he says, listen, here's what he prayed for them. I don't, I don't pray that God give you anything more than he's already done. What he prayed is that you have revelation of what God has already given you. And in the 19th verse... I'll go back. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Within us. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. That is the power that is at work within us. Jude 1.20. This was a brother of Jesus. A half brother. Like all his siblings. Same as James was. 
You want, you want to find the book of Jude? Go to Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible, and turn back one page, because that's how long the book of Jude is. He wanted to talk about some other things, but he, he had to start stop and tell them that these people were trying to earn their salvation and turn in the grace of God into a license to sin. But anyway, in verse 20 and 21, he says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up, here we go again, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. So when we pray in the Spirit, we build ourselves up. We edify ourselves in our body, in our spirit, in our minds, in every way is what the real translation for this means. This sozo salvation is all-inclusive, includes every part of our spirit, soul, and body. It builds us up in love and in faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for this message today. I thank you that you will not let the enemy steal the seed of this precious word from us as we go from here today, but that it will take root in our hearts and bear fruit in our lives. And I pray that there will be people all over the world who hear this message and in this setting here today who will begin to seek you and say, Lord, if this is from you, I want it. If it's not, I don't. That's a, that's a pretty good prayer, I think. Show them, Lord, and help them to receive. Help them to seek those who can help them to receive. Me, if that is the case. But Lord, help them to see that this is a wonderful thing that you have provided for us and that we need to seek you and and find that you have provided for us help in our prayer lives and in our daily lives. The Holy Spirit was sent here to lead and guide us through this life to our eternal destiny with our heavenly bridegroom. And we thank you, Father, for loving us so much and providing so perfectly. In Jesus' name, amen.